standing in this beautiful place. I don't know if you can hear the birds or not. Listen to the jungle birds. It's absolutely wonderful. I've always had a love-hate relationship with the jungle because it can be a very deadly, very dangerous place. But you can also go in there and take the light and the love and the life of Jesus Christ. I remember one time I was preaching in Burma, way back in the jungles. I mean, way, way back in the jungles. And I was bringing tribesmen in and pastors. We had sent runners to different villages and they'd put, uh, they'd, they'd taken uh, little flyers we printed up to different villages all over the, the, the jungle. And a witch doctor, a very famous and very powerful witch doctor. In fact, the, the greatest witch doctor in the whole area that everybody knew and everybody was scared of. In fact, he was a, a master at the dark arts and had a had built a, 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 a building. Of course, it was a jungle hut. It wasn't a building like we think of. It didn't have any walls. It just had thatched roof and poles. But he had built a building where he trained 600 students to be witch doctors. I mean, this guy is one of these that makes animals disappear and appear and, and puts curses on people when they die. And so he was in a village four days away and saw one of those posters that said, come see a man sent by God, Terry Myers, blah, 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 blah. And it made him so angry and made him so mad because he thought, I'm the man of God around here. There's no other man of God around here besides me. No more powerful man than me. And while he was looking at that poster, a white bird appeared to him, which was a common thing to him, and spoke to him and told him, I want you to go hear that man of God and do what he tells you to do. And it made that witch doctor so mad, he said, I'm not going to do that. And so he went back home and he was sitting in his in his hut. And, and two, two days later, that witch doctor, that bird, white bird appeared to him again and said, I told you to go hear that man of God and do what he tells you to do. Well, he was so mad, he got up and walked four days to get to the to where I was going to be. And uh, when I walked out there in the morning, the mist was on the jungle. It was gorgeous. Uh, just, just, well, just jungle. I don't know how to describe it. And uh, all these pastors are waiting on me to minister the word of life, the word of God to them. And one of them came up to me and said, Brother Terry, look, over there, you see over there? And there's one guy all over here by himself. And he was, had his hands folded and he's just mad. You can tell he's mad. And I said, yeah, I see him. And they said, he's the most powerful witch doctor in the area. And he's come to stop these meetings. And I just laughed and patted the pastor on the shoulder. And I said, oh, pastor, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. And he said, Brother Terry, I said, what? He said, he's also deaf in his right ear. Everybody knows this guy. Everybody's scared of this guy. He's powerful. And I, I patted him on the shoulder again and laughed. I said, pastor, I could write the story, the testimony, before it even happens. And I, so I got on the platform. I said, good morning, pastors. God bless you. I'm glad you came this morning. And I began to pray the opening prayer, not a healing prayer, not a miracle prayer, just the opening prayer. Father, thank you for these pastors. Bless them this week while we teach them the word of God. And all of a sudden I heard somebody screaming, I can hear, I can hear, I can hear. And I look off over here and there's that witch doctor and he's holding his right ear and he's jumping up and down saying, I can hear. And I said, hey, come here. I called him to me. He came down there. I grabbed him, cast the devils out of him, got him totally delivered, got him saved, got him filled with the Holy Ghost, set him on the front row. And I said, don't you move all week. You listen to every word I tell you. And so he was there faithfully all week long. And then he told me during the week these stories about what this bird had told him and so on and so forth. Anyway, at the end of the meeting, he said, Brother Terry, he said, I'm going to go back and put a cross on top of my school and I'm going to I'm going to make it a church and I'm going to be the pastor. And I said, I'll tell you what, buddy, I said, you're not quite ready to pastor yet. But I said, we that is a good idea. We'll put a cross on your building and we'll make it a church. and We'll send three or four of these pastors with you and they can switch off preaching for the next several uh weeks or a couple of months and uh, you just sit there and listen and then you'll be the pastor and i want to let you know 
Today, that man has been an awesome, Holy Ghost-filled man of God, pastor of a great church way in the jungles of Burma. So that jungle is breathing life and light and love where it used to be deadly and death and curse. God bless you. Thank you. Appreciate you letting me give you a missions minute. So all of heaven is watching the earth all the time, looking for a man or a woman that's going to use the Word of God, that's going to speak the Word of God, that's going to move on the Word of God. And when they do, heaven moves. Hello, I'm Pastor George Pearsons. Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory broadcast. This is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice in it and glorify Him in it. Praise God. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank Kenneth and Gloria Copeland for allowing me to host these broadcasts with Terry Mize. We are having an amazing time and we're going to have an absolutely amazing time this week on the broadcast. I'm so looking forward to it. It's, it's amazing and it's good when you have more material than you can possibly cover. You really need the help of the Holy Spirit, oh, don't that's you? That's right, absolutely, <clears throat> So, Terry Mize, thank you. Thank you well, for thank being you. on here with thank us you. and thank you for sharing, sharing your stories as an apostle of God, a true apostle of the Lord. And I wanna mention a couple of things before we really get started. First of all, uh, all of the outlines of the teachings that we're doing this, these last two weeks, they're all available on kcm.org. Your information is there. To be able to get those and print those out and study them, read them through, pick up scriptures that we've talked about, points that we've made. And then also, uh, Brother Terry wants to give you this book. It is God's Opinion of You. And I was reading it this morning and finding out that I am righteous, I'm a king and a priest, I'm blessed and prosperous, I'm forgiven and accepted, I'm a world overcomer, and I'm a new creation. Absolutely. So <clears throat> that's God's opinion of me. That's what he thinks about me. So this is, this is absolutely free. Again, you can order it from KCM, and we would be most happy to get that to you. I want to get into some things right away because... You know, since you've been with us, you, you did church on Sunday and you've been preaching to us and just, just really getting to know more details about your story. It's interesting how, how, unless you really sit down with somebody and find out what they're doing, you really don't know what's going on in their lives. And there's some pretty amazing things that are happening in your life, have happened in your ministry. And I want to read this scripture as we launch out into the week because I believe that this is going to be another week of the miraculous. Deliverance, no, healing, whatever God wants to do in the lives of people. And here's a scripture that, this is one that Brother Copeland shared with us. This is uh, Exodus 34.10. And this is what we're believing for. This is the time that we are in. It says, and God said, behold, I make a covenant before all your people, I will do marvels. Yes. The Amplified Bible says wonders and miracles that have not been done in all the earth nor in any nation. And all the people among you which are, uh, which thou art shall see the work of the Lord. And it 
is a terrible thing that I will do with you. Or the terrible word means an awesome right. display wow. of the power of God. Terry Mize, you've been in places all over the world. And let me just read this list. He has, and, the, and probably more places, but just, just some of the places that he's been. Zimbabwe, Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, Burma, Thailand, Trinidad, Haiti, Jamaica, Cuba, Romania, Ukraine, Eastern Europe, India, Australia, and of course the United States. So as an apostle, and I was reading about you this morning. I was reading about you in Brother Hagen's book. Now you're not by name, right. but you, you are by, by title. And he said, the word apostle implies one who is sent out or commissioned by the Holy Spirit. And a missionary is sent one by the Holy Ghost with a message to people in certain countries. Um, when Terry and I were going to Peru several years ago, mm -hmm. It was last year. He prayed over us, and he he. There's an there's an apostolic calling that a pastor can operate in right. when they leave to go into another country right. to deliver Absolutely. a message or teach along a particular line right. of of thought in Scripture. But then there are assignments that God gives you. Yes, sir. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about some of these assignments, and I'd like to talk about with you Cuba. Sure. And the fact that the Lord sent you to Cuba on a mission, I first learned about this when Terry and I met up with him some years ago, we were in New Zealand, mm -hmm. sitting at a breakfast table together, and you were starting to tell us about what the Lord did with you, for you, for the nation, and for the country of Cuba. So, come on, tell us about that. Well, I had been going to Cuba for a, a number of years, probably at that time, maybe 10 or 12 years. Uh, and. and um, it, the, Cuba, whenever, whenever President Castro took over, mm. uh, January the 1st of 1959, he said uh, there will be no more Christmas. And he, he said that it will not be a holiday, it will not be a holy day. You just work in the sugarcane fields like a normal day. And he said you're not allowed to say Merry wow. Christmas and, and so on and so forth. And so it just ceased to exist. So, you know, Silent Night was really silent for, for 45 years. My goodness. And, uh, and so um, I had been going over there for a number of years and ministering to pastors. And there's about 2,000 pastors that I minister to all over Cuba and have for numbers of years. But um, they've always been afraid to get together in groups of larger than 200. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm mm -hmm. ministering to 2,000, we have them in different <coughs> different pockets right. here and there, right. Right. you know. But uh, uh, I happened to be there in the spring of 2004 and I was ministering and ministering to pastors. And, and uh, I know your audience will understand this, but you know, when you cook pasta, Anybody, anybody's a pasta cooker, the way you tell if pasta's done is you just take something and you just throw it up against the wall <laughs> and you see if it sticks. If it sticks, then, then it's done. If okay. it doesn't, it's not. And so, okay. so I, I see myself all the time, all over the world, just throwing stuff against the wall and, and see if it'll stick. stick. And many times it doesn't and once in a while it does. So, so here I was in the spring of 2004 and I was with one of the gentlemen that are the, the main people of, of Cuba. Basically there's 13 men that have always, always run Cuba, 11 besides President Castro and his brother Raul, who Raul now is the president. Um, but uh, there's also 11 other men. And I was with one of those men in his office and, uh, and God had given me a lot of favor with a number of the government uh, officials over there. And, and so while I was with this gentleman in his office, I just thought, well, I'll throw some pasta up on the wall and see what happens. So I said, uh, I said, hey, how about this year I bring you a Christmas tree 
to Cuba. I said, you haven't celebrated Christmas since 1958. It's the last time Cuba celebrated Christmas, 1958, and it hasn't been done now in 45 years. And I said, what if I just bring you a Christmas tree? I said, I'll bring a 30-foot, 40-foot tree. We'll decorate it. You know, we'll, we'll bless the people, and it'll just be a gift from the Christians of America to the people of Cuba. And he said, oh, no, absolutely not. No, that won't work. No, no, no. And, so, and I talked to him a little bit about it, and then he said no. And so we just dropped it. And uh, I didn't think another thing about it, you know. It's just one of those things I threw up against the wall and didn't <laughs> stick, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah. we now, now when Pope John Paul II, I believe it was, had come to Cuba uh, around 19, I think, I think 98. I could be off on my year, but I think around 1998. Uh, uh, could have been earlier than that. They actually, he came at Christmas time, and they actually just put some lights in a window that he spoke from. But the instant he left, they took those down. But there's not been okay. a Christmas tree, no Christmas carols, none of this since 1958. And so uh, uh, I got back home and life was busy and things went on. And you may remember I, one of my sons was killed in a car wreck mm -hmm. that same year in June uh, of 04. And so frankly, I forgot Cuba existed or anybody else existed. Sure. And uh, Jackie and I were just thinking we didn't want to stay home that Christmas because we had always been home. We thought, oh man, with Paul gone, we're not sure we want to stay at the house for Christmas. And let's just take all the family and go to Disney World and, and go to the Keys yep. and just spend Christmas. Just yep. We'll just have a vacation instead of Christmas. So we all packed up to go to Florida and, and did go to Florida. But on December the 1st, I got an email from this gentleman, this Cuban official. And he said, uh, Dear Reverend Dr. Mize, if, you're, if your offer of the Christmas tree still stands, we would love for you to come. We'd love for you to personally bring it. We'd love to set it up in the, in the square down at uh, St. Francis de Assisi Square in Old Havana and uh, decorate it. And he said, and we would like for you to tell us the Christmas story. Mm -hmm. And we would like you to go into a public building and have a church service. And he said, you, we want you to be the first American in 45 years to have a, a, an official church service in a government building with government permission. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of Americans had gone to Cuba and preached, including me, sure. but not with government permission and yeah. not in a government building. Yeah. And, and they said, uh, you know, you're, we would love for you to do that. And, and I thought, do they know what the Christmas story is? I mean, now, President <laughs> Castro in 1963 had declared Cuba an atheist state yeah. and a communist state. So yeah. God was out of the picture. And so here this Cuban official is saying, we want you to tell us the Christmas story. So uh, I immediately uh, uh, got on the Internet and looked for a Christmas tree farm in Canada because, because the United States has an embargo on mm -hmm. Cuba, as you know, that President Kennedy put in effect in right. 1963. Right. And, uh, and so we couldn't send it from the states. We actually could have if we'd gone through a lot of red tape because there is, there is such a thing as an agricultural visa. So a tree would fit under that, but it would have taken a long time. And here, this was December 1st, and he said, and we want right. you to have it in Cuba December the 10th. You know, which is some kind of a holiday in Cuba. And so uh, so I got on the Internet and found a Christmas tree farm, called a man in Montreal, Canada. And I said, can you, I said, this is seriously important. If I buy a Christmas tree from you, can you uh, ship it to Havana? I know Air Canada flies to Havana. Uh, and so can you do that? He said, well, sure, I can do it. He said, but I'd have to have permission from the government of Cuba. Mm -hmm. and I said, that's no problem. I can get that, which I did. Mm -hmm. But I said, I just want to make sure you can you can do it. And I asked this gentleman in Cuba, I won't say his name, but I asked the gentleman in Cuba, um, and if, you, uh, uh, if, I, if I could bring a really large tree. He said, no, no, let's just do 20 feet. I said, well, let's do, let's do 30 or 40. He said, no, no, let's just do 20. <laughs> We're negotiating right. feet on the really, Christmas really. tree. <laughs> so anyway, the, the, I, so I ordered uh, the tree. I ordered decorations. Yep. With the decorations, I ordered a star for the top for obvious purposes because I, I knew I was going to talk about it uh, while I'm telling the Christmas story. Yeah. And I ordered red bows for the blood of Jesus, so I knew I was going to talk about that. And so I, 
I had all this stuff shipped, air shipped to Cuba. And the funny thing about it is, George, when it arrived, when this tree arrived in Havana, the, the government, the military met it at the airport, gave it an official police escort. They had two motorcycle policemen in front of it, two motorcycle policemen behind it, and escorted it from the airport oh all the way down to Old Havana and to St. Francis de Sissi Square, <clears throat> set it up, got it all decorated, and then I flew in there and, and stood up and, and told them the Christmas story and, and talked about the star and talked about the, the bows and the blood and talked about wise men still follow him today. Oh. And what's so neat is that oh. uh, many pastors came because I sent as many pastors over there that knew me Sure. Uh, but many didn't come because they were scared. They thought it was a government trap. And, and even the ones that were there, they were looking around all the time, all the time, looking around. And I kept telling them, it's okay. It's, it's going to be okay. <laughs> but what happened was they sent out the one TV channel in, in Cuba and broadcast the thing. Oh. And so it was seen all over the nation. Oh. Even the next spring when I was there, pastors would come to me in tears and say, we saw it, we, we saw it, and, and, and we haven't heard those songs since we were children. Our children have never heard those songs because it was just, it was just such a powerful oh, thing. Now, Gloria even called me. Gloria Copeland called me. <laughs> I was, at the, I was at, in, in Miami just about to go to the airport to get on the plane, and Gloria called me. Yeah. And she said, Terry, it's just so amazing. She said, it's such a God thing. She said, here, here we are. Uh, our country's beginning to tell us, don't say Merry Christmas. Yes. And don't have up symbols yes. of Christmas in public public places, and yet you've been asked by a communist government, an atheist government, to bring a symbol of Christmas and tell the Christmas story. What a, what a, what a change that is. And of course, you guys donated to that. You helped me pay for it. And, and uh, T.L. Osborne even called me while I was uh, there uh, and, and on my way to my, uh, in Miami, on my way to Cuba. And T.L., I wrote it down on a napkin what he said to me. He said, Terry, he said, this is a significant step yes. of the reopening of Cuba for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God. And it was just such a powerful, powerful <clears throat> thing. We Yes, we, yes. we were even in a, some of the government officials took me to a to a, a, a country club type thing. And so we were sitting there having dinner and a nice little string orchestra was playing some songs and stuff. And I'm sitting there eating with some government officials. And, and so I called the orchestra leader over and he came over and I said, sir, do you know any Christmas songs? And he said, oh, yes. And I said, would you play some for us, please? He said, sure. He went back and they just continued doing what they were doing, you know, because they were scared. Mm. And because they're not mm -hmm. allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. And so after about 15, 20 minutes, I called him back and I said, yeah. sir, do you know any Christmas songs? He said, he said I'm sorry, sir, I, I cannot play them. I cannot play them. And I said, well, actually, you can. I said, it's really all right. And I said, isn't it, gentlemen? And I said to the government official, and they looked at him, and they said, sure, go ahead. <laughs> and he just, his face just lit up and he, he ran to a back room and he was gone for a few minutes. And he came back with an old battered briefcase, opened it up, took out some old sheet music. And they said, then they started playing Christmas carols. Oh, and George, People around the restaurant began to drop their forks. I mean, it, as they started Christmas carols, you would hear clunk, clunk, clang. I mean, it just got so quiet, like, you know, what's going to happen? And then the next day, I was at a at another restaurant, and there was a gentleman playing the piano, baby grand piano there, and, and I called him over and asked him the same thing. He said, oh, I can't. I said, well, actually, you can. I said, have you seen the Christmas tree in the square? He said, oh, yes, I took my children to see it last night. It's beautiful. And I said, well, I'm the one that brought it. And he said, really? And he shook my hand. And I said, now, tonight we're having a Christmas tree lighting ceremony. And I said, I need someone that can play Christmas songs. And I said, you can, it's government permission. It's not a problem with the government. And, uh, and I said, if you'll come, I'll make it worth your while. I'll pay you. 
And, uh, and so I said, but I need to know if you can play or not. Well, he went back to the piano and just played Christmas carols. And so the next night here he was playing Christmas carols and went all over Cuba. So Silent Night wasn't <clears throat> silent anymore. Now yep. the following spring, yep. uh, my son Lynn and I were in Cuba and we were walking along and I had a couple of pastor friends with me and, and uh, we saw the government official that had given me the invitation. He was down there doing a ribbon cutting ceremony to open a, a new building. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, Lynn said, Dad, isn't that Mr. So-and-so? And I said, well, yeah, it is. And so we went over to him and he saw me and he said, oh, Reverend Myers and we greet each other and he asked me in Spanish, he said, so are you going to bring another Christmas tree for us again this year? And, and I said, uh, I said, con su permiso, with your permission. And he <laughs> yeah. said, well, of course, of course, yeah. please. So the second year, yeah. 2005, we did the same thing. And after that, we never had to do it again because now if you go to Christmas, to Cuba for Christmas, yes. there's Christmas lights, there's Christmas carols, there's Christmas trees, oh. and they've been celebrating Christmas ever since. Terry, that's, the, I mean, I'm just sitting here listening to this. And just chills going up and down, oh. just so the presence of God and how, how we can actually affect nations. It changed history. It really it did. Absolutely it changed history it, that 45 years they had not celebrated Christmas and now they do. Ha, now, do you go back every Christmas? I don't go back every Christmas, but I go back, I try to go back every year. So are you going, let's see, you're not going this year because no, last year you I've, I've go. got, I've got a permission, I've got a, I've got a permission in, invitation or what do you call it, request in right now yeah. because yeah. it takes three months. They want 90 days. Uh, to grant a to grant a, okay. a, a, a permission to go in, so I've got I've got my permission up, and we're going to go just mm -hmm. as soon as that's cleared, then we'll then we'll go. So you were the man that God used, yes, sir. to bring Christmas back to Cuba. To Cuba, to Cuba. That's huge. Absolutely. That's huge. You know, you just you know you heard me say in church the other day. I'm just glad God's using available mud. I mean, you know, we're just, <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, you just sometimes you're just so surprised that God can use you. But if He could use a donkey and He could use you know other things, but I'm not surprised us. though because of that apostolic anointing. It is the anointing. It's the anointing to bring a message into a nation mm -hmm. that will completely transform and change the oh, nation. Absolutely. And you've done that. Something so simple like that literally yeah. changed history. Yeah. God will use a, a vessel sure. that, that is obviously anointed to do that job. You, you, you guys love Israel so much and, and Kenneth and Glory and you and Terry so much. And so you'll enjoy this. Whenever I got over there that first year, I literally went down to the synagogue. And there's an old gentleman that was the head. He's, he's, he's gone now. He's in heaven now. Yeah. But he was the head of, of all Jewish everything in Cuba. And used to, they had a huge Jewish population. But now they were down to about 2,000. And so I went to him. His name was Dr. Mueller. And so I went to him and, and, and just had an audience with him. And I said, sir, I said, here's what I'm doing. And I told him what I'm doing. And I said, now I understand that, that you're Jewish and I'm Christian and I'm going to be talking about Jesus. I said, I understand that. I said, but you know, we're on the same side here yeah. and we serve the same God. And he said, yes. And I said, so what I'm here asking you is I feel like I'm the camel, the proverbial camel that gets his nose under the, under the flap of the tent. And once we get, his, yeah. once we yeah. get there, we'll get it all the way in. Sure, I sure. said, so would you be gracious enough to give me something that I could put up next to the Christmas tree, maybe a menorah, may, whatever you would like. Yeah. And then if you'll yeah. give it to me and tell me what it is and how to speak well about it, then at the same time I do the Christmas story, at the same time I do the Christmas tree, I'll also do the, he was so thrilled, George. Oh and he gave me a beautiful menorah, wow. you know, and the wow. candles and, and told me, you know, which one to light on which day. And, and so we had it there on a beautiful table next to the Christmas tree and a beautiful linen cloth. And, and so I told him, you know, Dr. Mueller has sent this and this is the Jewish nation and this is you know, and so here you had Jews and Christians there in Cuba, yep. both celebrating yep, Christmas. Celebrating Christmas. <laughs> I'll tell you, there is a 
there's a move of God that's taking place. We're oh, going to be talking about it later on in the week. Um, but there is a move of God that's happening. And you, you were teaching us in church. You, you, were, you were talking about using our authority as believers oh, to absolutely. shift sure. an election, absolutely. to shift absolutely. a government, to shift absolutely. a nation. And, and you've seen it take place. You've seen sure. it take place in so many sure. different places. And I, I will, we'll have time tomorrow. We'll, we'll go back Good. through sure. some of this we'll talk and talk about, about those. Sure. But I'll tell you, we are in a time right now where the Lord is just absolutely changing things. And, and we've been given dominion and authority. We've got two minutes left. Can you tell the bat story in two minutes? Sure. I was in a country in Southeast Asia a number of years ago. This is kind of a funny little story. <laughs> it is. And uh, I, I, I had a couple of guys with me that, that wanted to go into a particular temple, mm -hmm. you know, of another religion mm -hmm. and wanted to go because the guidebook said there's a famous mural in this, in this right. temple. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, let's don't go in there. You know, there's demons in there. Let's don't do this. Let's don't do this. And he just kept begging me. So finally we went and I told him to, I said, well, all right, guys. And Lynn was with him, my oldest son. And, and, uh, and, and a missionary, and, and, and then so we, we walked in, and I said, now, before we go in, I said, everybody be quiet, don't take any pictures, this is a house of worship, even though it's not a mm -hmm. church like we go to, it's mm -hmm. still a house of worship, and let's don't be ugly Americans, let's just be quiet. So we went in just to see this mural, and there's about 40 worshipers inside the church, yeah. no furniture at all, you know, they're just in the floor uh, yeah. worshiping. But as we walked along seeing this mural, a bat comes out and attacks me. And it just begins to dive at my head and, and had his mouth open, his little things. And, you know, he'd just dive at my head and I'd duck my head and he'd go right around, come right back at me. He wasn't attacking anybody else, just none you. of the guys with me or none of the worshipers, yeah. just me. And he just went over and over and over. And, and we're getting further along the wall. And, and finally, I just got upset. You know, I said, my Popeye spirit came down. I stands all I can stands, I can stands no more. <laughs> yeah. And I just stuck my finger up in his face as he dove at me again. And I said, you foul bat, I curse you and you demonic bat in Jesus' name. And I command you to fly into that ceiling fan. There's only one ceiling fan in the whole building. And it was back at the other end of the building. I said, you fly into that ceiling fan and kill yourself in Jesus' name. And George, that bat just flew right up over my head straight into the fan, whap like that, <laughs> over into the right-hand wall, whap, left a bloody trail down the down the the wall, and the priest came over and just swept it out, and I went over to him and I said, no, buddy, that's what happens when a bat runs into the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Terry Myers here. I just wanted to say something again about uh, the coronavirus. Uh, our little granddaughter, five years old, calls it the corona virus. And uh, Renee and I have made several videos when this thing first started uh, and all along the way to tell you that fear uh, can get you killed. Fear is not your friend. Fear is worse than the disease always. Uh, whenever that hitchhiker in Mexico had the gun in my ribs and he said, I'm going to kill you, I knew immediately I had to get rid of fear. And so I immediately said, fear, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. The word of God says, God's not given me the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. The word of God says, fear has torment and, and perfect love casts out fear and God's love. And I've got God, so no fear. We have to get rid of the fear. You cannot operate in fear for, for this virus or for anything else. The Word of God tells us that we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. God never invented sickness, never invented disease. It came from the pits of hell. If God wanted us to have disease, He had to put it in the garden. It wasn't there. And He's given us scriptures, Old Testament and New, to combat disease, to combat virus, to combat any kind of thing that's brewed in the cauldrons of hell. And I want you to know that no plague, and Psalms 91 says, no plague, no plague, no plague, come nigh your dwelling. 
for this is a plague and it's not coming near you in the name of Jesus. And I declare that you're conquerors more than in Jesus' name. stories about he ended up being in Mexico being shot at by robbers. Eating up the stories that he would tell of his missions and ministry and it would build my faith. 